Well, I expect you to really raise your voice at the end of service because you will have heard it one time. So we're going to jump in today. What a weekend it's been of all kind of wonderful things that we've been able to be a participant in, just seeing people come and go. We've got a huge class over here. I had to go in there and check, make sure people weren't skipping church, so I, I, I missed them last week, but great crowd in there on parenting and marriage, and we're thankful for that, I'm trying to do a lot of things that really help people. Uh, those of you that are new, you'll see coming in the blessing season, but like, too good to be through all the things, embrace grace, the things we're doing to touch people's lives. We want to make a difference here and around the globe. We, we do it here, there, and everywhere we can. Thank you again for your generosity supporting the youth as they head toward retreat. Some of you want to stop by the table and still do that. It just makes such a big difference for them, so thank you. And I would add to Joel's words, man, a teen going to this retreat, it could be a life-changing event for the positive. Things happen, connections are made this way, but often by this way. Isn't that true? And we'll have them coming in in mass, a second service after their retreat, and they always give in a great infusion. We'll have teens here, teens there, kids all over the place, and uh, we are blessed, blessed indeed. Well, are you ready? I hope you know by now that from God's view in Christ, you have a positive ID. Did you get that? You're an influencer, you're a keeper, you're a winner. Remember those things? You're a follower. And uh, I pray that that will lead into this series, that knowing that we can live God-confident in every situation. By the way, that includes right now. Not just in the past, not around the bend, though it will be so, but right here, right now, you can be full of God-confidence, and I want to talk about that. God is on the throne. I want you to think about this as I move through it. My friend Dave, who texts me, and I think I'm special, but I know he texts all kinds of people on a weekly basis. But here's his thought for the day, and I, I, it's really interesting because I was wrestling with this, and, and it's kind of in this series and in this message, but here's, here's the quote. Um, God can do more through your surrender than you could ever do with your control. And I just want to say that that's where the real battle lines are drawn spiritually, about control. We think that there's a part of our life that we can hold out, and that's what I call compartmentalism, but, but you know what happens? That'll always come back to bite you. I, uh, I'm sure my friends Paul and Glow Cooley are watching. Anybody know the Cooleys? They are in their 90s, uh, securely in their 90s, I would say and still sharp and love the Lord and, and watch from home now. He's, they've been active here. They came for a front porch visit on uh, this Tuesday when I was out on my front porch. I loved it. And uh, Paul really couldn't get out of the van, but they nosed in and got as close as they could. And we just had a great conversation and a prayer time together. And Glow started testifying again about when she came to know Jesus, not much background understanding, and she's told that testimony over and over. But she said, I, I came to the cross, and basically, I'm putting it in my language, she said, I said yes to Jesus and came in a relationship with him, but she said, over the years, over, over time, and it's sequential, the, the amount of time doesn't matter, but she said, I just, I just knew that there was more, I, I, I was just hungry more and more, and she said, and you know what it came down to for me, and I think it's so appropriate to our, our topic of surrender today, she said, the Lord wanted my will. She said, I was a very independent person. I was submissive to my husband. I did all these things I thought. But she said, I ferociously, my own words, hung on to control. And she said, when I settled that, everything changed. Hey, that's where some of you are today. 
That's where some of you are. I heard a testimony of uh, a man, a, a brilliant attorney, who was from England, and he was talking about his conversion. Nicky Gumbel, by the way, I do, that's one of the Bible studies I do uh, through the week. And, and he was saying, basically, he was wrestling, and he took, an, he took an intellectual approach, and he was struggling so much because he said he was convinced in his 20s that if he came to Jesus, he would lose love and lose freedom. And that's what kept him from pulling the trigger. But the evidence for Jesus' claims of who he was and who he is were so strong that he made that decision, and he said, I've known love and freedom the last 40 years like I have never known in my life. Look at me. That's what he gives. I've got news for you. We, we don't need more of him. He needs more of us. That's the real battle. And you think of something, that compartment, whatever it may be, that's not the thing. That's you. That represents your will. Do you understand that? And he's saying, let me in. You can't say I'm Lord unless I'm Lord of everything. So I pray that during this series that some of us will get serious and go, man, why am I going around this hamster's wheel over and over again? It's because you haven't come to a place of absolute surrender. So you can face every day, known or unknown, whatever it may be, full of God confidence. So I believe that this series is practical and relevant. I really do. Um, You need to have this in every situation, in every season of life. No matter what, we don't go circumstantial. We don't have to live by our, is anybody glad we don't have to live by our circumstances or by what's swirling around in our culture? When he's present in you, he is near, he is close, and that is huge. What more do you need? What more do you need? I was listening to a song by Morris Chapman, a worship leader in the Promise Keepers days especially, was there and And he sang a song that was particularly powerful to me in a very difficult time when Dixie and I were going through marriage, the the rocks of that that marriage incident that you know about. But he sang, I may not be always there. I may not always be there. But here's the refrain. It came, came down to this. Jesus will always be there. He knows you and he loves you. And in every situation, he'll be there to see you through. Are you with me? That doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. That does not mean you go through, won't go through storms. Because where do testimonies come from? Test, agreed? But Jesus will always be there. Look at me in the, in the eye from the heart. Have you settled that? Have you settled that? If his word is true, then he is absolutely always with you if he's in you. Because you've invited him in. If there is... So prevalent nowadays, anxiety, fear, heaviness, worry, or uncertainty in your life today. I pray that this message in this series will truly be an encouragement to you. I don't know, maybe you're watching today and you feel close to the end of your rope and you're barely hanging on to the last thread of hope. Here's our go-to passage for this series. And you know what I want to do? I think if I can remember... I want us to read it out loud together. It's been a while since we've done that, so I'll depend on those running the, the, the PowerPoint to give us the scripture there, Philippians 4, 4 to 7. And could we read it out loud together? Okay, everybody participate. Online, wherever you may be, come on, let's, let's read it out. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let's say that line again. The Lord is near. Next, please. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. Come on, let's put some emphasis in. Let's put some oomph in this, okay? Let's start over there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Next, present your request to God. Next, please. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Can I get a yes or an amen on that one? Wow, what a powerful promise we have. So let's get them in us, in us, in us. That's what God's word, in us, in us, in us. The promises of God, settle it deep in your heart. Your God confidence can get settled in the faithfulness and goodness of God. That's what we're looking to. Again, he's not saying, look down, look, look within, look, look without, look around. It says, look up. We are looking up to the one who is sovereign, who is in control. The one who is, if you've been to the cross, who is living in you. I may have shared, but in this, I want you to know that in the, some of these letters that we read from Paul, uh, more than anything, Paul wanted to go and preach in Rome. You remember, I mean, he had his heart set on that because it was such an influential city, and he thought for sure if he could preach there, I mean, it, it, it could be an influence. I mean, the gospel could, God would just fan the flame, and I'm sure that's true. But when he made it to Rome, he wasn't there as a preacher. What was he there as? A prisoner, that's right, locked up in an unlikely place, but it was exactly where the Lord wanted him to be. For Paul, this, this was a situation being locked up that was very unknown. He didn't know the outcome. He was God-confident, but he didn't know. It was a perfect setup to be filled with anxiety, fear, doubt, frustration, whatever it may be. He had every reason to be anxious and to feel those things. Yet under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit, he penned these potent words, and I really want to land on this, and I'll come back to it. Verse uh, chapter four, five B, what, what are those one, two, three, four words? The Lord is near. Did you catch that? That is present tense active. Not he will be or he was, but he is. Look at me. The Lord is near. You need to say that to yourself. You need to say that to the enemy. You need to say that multiple times. The Lord is near. Some of you can testify this week of how his hand is, his presence has spared you and pulled you out of the weeds just this week, yes? Doesn't mean, again, that there weren't problems or struggles, but because of this promise from reality, it goes on to say, you don't have to live in anxiety. You don't have to live in fear about anything. We're talking about as a way of life. You know, just that gloom and doom. I believe that this series is so timely because everywhere I turn, it seems in unprecedented measures, people are stressed out, fear-filled, and overly anxious in present circumstances and about the future that is so shaky. It's said that, 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 that young people of our day, especially up through college, it's, it's, it's the most stressed out generation we've ever known. I've, I've seen that, I've read it over and over and over again. With all the news and gloom, is it any wonder? So much uncertainty about the near future, let alone beyond. Agreed? But I would say again, I can testify that in the darkest seasons, that's where I've seen testimonies in my life and my family come from. How about you? And I've experienced the power of God working in and through unlikely circumstances that I could not humanly change. Listen, that I could absolutely not control. How do you know 
Victory comes when we just finally admit that we're not in control, but he is. That's that palms up, remember? We surrender that thing to him, which it isn't the thing, it's you. It's, the, it's you. That's the posture with which you give, but it's also the posture that you receive from God. It's that posture of surrender that says, Lord, I know you want more of me, which is all of me, today. All of me today may not seem to be all of what it was 20 years ago, or be, but all of you right now, I give you all of me. Oh, I'm gonna come, that's so powerful. The Lord is near. So I'm gonna go back. I, in the last few years, I'm sure I've, I've, I did a series, I believe, on Elijah and his story, but I wanna go back to that story uh, that's so positive, instructive, embedded in the life and times of Elijah. There's no doubt he was a man of God. There's no doubt that he loved and trusted God. I mean, he had seen and experienced truly, truly amazing things. He'd seen God's faithfulness and power and provision. I mean, that would just be the rest of the story, wouldn't it? But it wasn't. And I think we can draw encouragement from this. Let me just give you context. Elijah stood up to and confronted an evil king, Ahab, one of the most evil kings in the, in the, in the Bible. He called out his sins and predicted a drought that would impact his kingdom. The king came after him with all of his forces trying to kill him, and Elijah was on the run and hiding for three years. This powerful man of God. God still took care of him in those barren places, feeding him with bread and meat provided by ravens, if you've heard the story. And he saw the dead raised to life. He faced off with the 850 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Fire fell from heaven and wiped them out. And after all this, the evil king's extra evil wife, Jezebel, threatened his life, and he fell apart. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, you know God, you've seen him do miracles, and something arises, it's almost like Peter being intimidated by some girl said, you were one of those, you're with Jesus. He fell apart. He went spiraling down into a black hole, if you will, of fear, anxiety, depression, whatever it is. He found himself in great, great need. How about you today? Are you in great need? Let me read it in 1 Kings 19. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. The mighty man of God was afraid and ran for, from his life, for his life. He didn't run from 850 prophets of Baal and all that, but he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Oh, this is instructive. While he went a day's journey in, by himself, into a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed for the, that he might die. Okay, I smile about this because he was running for his life. He didn't want to die, and then he asked God to kill him. Go figure. I've had enough, Lord. I've heard some of you say that. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Do me in. Well, I think from this little passage, we can glean some practical things, and I want to throw a few things out for you. In navigating dark seasons of life, I believe in this passage, we can see that Elijah made a, a few crucial and major mistakes that we need to note so that we can avoid I'll say it again. He had a fear of dying, evidently, so he was running for his life, and now he sat down and wished for the very death that he was trying to avoid. He couldn't take it anymore. Enough. He said, I'm done. I wonder where some of you got that phrase. Now I know it's from God's word. I'm done. The first thing I see quickly is that he had run himself ragged, and Elijah was, Elijah was afraid, and as he ran 
away, listen to this. I can relate because I've run into some of you crazy people that do marathons and half marathons. It just feels so good to feel like I'm gonna die, you know? Well, the Bible says basically that he ran the equivalent of four marathons. That would be what, close to 100 miles? Just kidding, I admire you for it. I'm just jealous because I can't keep up with you anymore. He kept running until he could run no more, and I no doubt he was empowered by God's spirit to do what he did. I don't know that he was in tip-top shape, but he finally collapsed in total exhaustion. He had worn himself out. You know what? I'm talking to some people that are about there today. Your life is out of order. You're trying to do everything, everything, running in an ever-widening circle, and you are all but worn out. And I just want to comment on this. I, I think this is so generally true. Listen to me, and, and I'm sure we could look at this passage in this light, but this is what came to mind. You usually run yourself into the ground before you fall apart. Did you catch that? You usually run yourself into the ground before you fall apart. I mean, you run, 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 June, July, and August, and you fall apart in September, October, or whatever the case may be. Listen to this. Write this on the flyleaf of your mind. What happens over time often shows up in a hurry. It's like we have a blowout, but we've been losing our tread for ages. You follow me? What happens over time shows up in a hurry, and that could be where you are today. Well, he ran himself ragged. Some of you are, and I could list a lot of reasons why. And, and I'm just telling you, being your pastor, I, you just need to take back control of your life and God at the center saying you're first, and I want that to be fleshed out in our family. And, and I want you to be judicious and careful about where you invest all your time. Is it toward anything eternal? Not saying it isn't, just asking. Secondly, here's a biggie. He got so busy running that he literally shut people out. Do you, did you see that in the passage? I tried to emphasize it. The Bible says that he sent his servant on ahead. He decided he no longer needed his trusted traveling companion. He went off on his own. And you know what happened? Like it happens to us, isolation rose up and bit him. It's biting a lot of people today, isn't it? Isolation. We've, we're just so busy chasing whatever. And I want to tell you that isolation, I believe with all my heart, is often so deadly over time. It really is. Um. I'm hard-pressed, and I have time to think about this ahead of time, but I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to come up with times when, and I would say this is true, we, we are seldom better off alone. You become more vulnerable. Hey, like it or not, look around. We're better together as a family in all seasons of life. So you've got to be intentional about gathering. Don't do the Elijah and just run off from your accountability you need that, and there's nothing better than gathering to a place of accountability. In the extremes of life, listen, in the extremes of life, and to me, it could be the very best of the worst times, I think that's when you're most likely to pull away from those you need in your life the most. Did you hear me? It's not that some of you are at wit's end. It's, it's times are good, and you just don't have time, time, time. 
It's like all the businesses now that are so busy, they won't call a regular customer back because they're too busy, busy, busy. I wonder what'll happen when things get lean, lean, lean. They'll be calling. Just thought I'd throw that in there. If you own a business, call people back, okay? Let them know you can't do something. Let them know you can't show up. Do you think that's how God wants you to represent him? That's for free. That's for free. I'm saying when times are at their best and the most difficult, that's when we tend to pull away and we're incomplete without the connections with the family of God, the gathering of Jesus, as I like to say. Self-inflicted, transient living lacks accountability and so much more. You know, it's, why not be transient? Because you don't answer anybody. You're here or there. You just flip from here or there. Man, we need to get roots. You need to get roots. You need to get established. You do. I shudder to think the kids that wake up on a Sunday and they don't, they're not sure if they're gonna worship or not. Like, you know, what, is there anything else that's more important? I guess not. I guess we'll go to church. I guess we'll worship together as a family. I'm concerned about this. I was thinking this morning in the shower, of all things, I talked to you some years ago about the Hezekiah syndrome. And you know, that was the one who the Lord spared his life and in the 15 years of being filled with pride and the prophet came to offer judgment. And he said, it's gonna happen after your lifetime. And Hezekiah basically said, oh, at least it's gonna be good for me in my lifetime. Like, you know what I've been thinking about? It came to me, yeah, but it's not about me. What about my kids and grands? Hey, and if we don't hold the line, if we don't stand up and fight, if we don't keep first things first, what kind of baton are we gonna pass to our kids and our grands, amen? We gotta be intentional about it. This is serious. I mean, we're playing for keeps. We're talking eternity here. I want, my, I want my kids and grands to make it to heaven. How about you? I mean, that's the most important thing. That's better than any other achievement that is temporal in this life. I want them to know and love Jesus. I know the prayers of my parents and grands chased me every which way into locker rooms and onto ball fields. I mean, I couldn't outrun their prayers. I'm so glad for that. Well, all that was for free. Sorry, I got in the weeds there. But I'm telling you that because I love you and I really care about you. Um, we're having another pop-up NAS group in our home. We had a fire pit and had 18 of the 20 there. And, and just for, we're doing like a six or seven week run. And I just think, it, you know, after we spent that time together, a couple hours, there's just a whole different dynamic because we're getting to know. We're opening up and sharing things, praying for one another. Isn't that a good thing? And if you don't have that, oh man, you need it. Well, the third thing, I must hurry. He focused on the negative. Oh, this is such a normal tendency when things get rough, isn't it? You begin to complain and compare. We talked about that in another series. My life is so hard. It's not fair. That's the Eeyore thing. Life is never gonna get any better. Nothing will ever change. Life is just one continuous line of hurt. And I wanna tell you, it's so bad because negative is so contagious, it affects many, and it's a deadly disease, right? And that's where Elijah was. And so don't feel bad because he was a mighty man of God. I mean, he's listed in other places, even the New Testament. Oh, but here's one. You know what this leads to? It leads to, in his case too, really, forgetting God. Now, you say, well, no, I'm not really forgetting him, but, but yeah, you really are. And that's why we wanted to sing that song and we'll close with it again today because we need to remember in the crush, God is still on the throne. I'm not. Circumstances aren't. My boss isn't. A political leader isn't. God is still on the throne. Do you believe that? Do you receive that today? Um. Running so hard and fast to keep up, wearing yourself out, 
In so doing, you forget who God is. You forget to rehearse and remember all that he has done. Isn't it a biblical word over and over again? Remember, remember. Why do we remember? We remember so we will never forget. God has been faithfully present. He has protected. He has provided. Elijah faced these problems, and he was forgetting God. I mean, he he forgot that God had delivered him time and time again. Scholars tell us that his name stands for Elohim, and, which is God, and for Yahweh, God, God is my God, and the breath, my source, my strength, my sustainer. Elijah should have known better, except he never got over being human. Don't you love the Bible that just lays God's people out with all of their bumps and, and warts in front of us? You know, let me, let me hear you, let me tell you again. I don't care who it was in, in the Bible, the, the Bible characters. They never got over being human. That's not an excuse, that's a reality. That's why we have to be so dependent upon God. That's why we have to stay so connected with him and in this posture at all times. Well, God's answer, Elijah experienced and knew God's nearness, but he still fell apart when the pressure was on. He was worn out from the emotions, the extremes. It's not just bad things that wear you out emotionally, it's good things too, I mean, it is. But God revealed himself to Elijah when he was in great, great need and at such a low point. God called out to him. He called him by name. He wanted him, Elijah, his chosen man, to experience his presence, to experience his peace again. And I want to read it in 1 Kings 19, 11. Everybody doing all right out there so far? 1 Kings 19. The Lord said, this is God and his great love and compassion, calling the one who's been on the run, forgetting all about him, depending on himself and circumstances. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Can you think of another situation where Moses wanted to see God? Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Would you say that with me? Gentle whisper. Thinking about Elijah's name, the Lord is my breath. God's breath is life. What did he do in Genesis? He breathed into man, what? The breath of life. Perpetual motion began. And it continued on from uh, the, the gentle breath of God. God's presence showed up in a gentle whisper. That's why we often miss it, because we're so busy, 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 asking why, where, when, how, that we don't listen for the whisper. Because you know what? If you hear a whisper, you gotta lean in. You gotta be close. You can't whisper from afar. Some of you thought I just talked in West Virginia and said fire. Just kidding. Listen, the Lord whispers, I'm here. I said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not checking out on you. I'll be with you to the end. I'm working in every situation for good, for my glory of drawing you closer to me. Nothing, no thing can separate you from my love. He whispers because he is near. 
If you're tending to someone, a dear one, by their bedside and you're, you're nursing them back to health, you don't shout and scream. You lean in close and whisper, do you not? God whispers, oh, we like the mighty blast of wind and earthquake and God can do whatever he does. But I want to tell you, there's intimacy in the whisper. Sometimes God whispers to us because he doesn't want anybody else to hear what he's saying to us. Because you're his favorite. He said, don't mind them. I've got a whisper for them too. I'll take care of them. Will you let me take care of you? Oh, by the way. That's the problem. That's why we get so run down. We try to take care of everybody else instead of letting God take care of us. If we let God take care of us, you'd be amazed the changes that happen around you. Could I get an amen on that one? God wants to do a work in you. Oh, aren't we good about surrendering him to somebody else? Oh, God, if you'll just change my wife, my husband, my job, whatever. He's saying, how about going palms up and letting me change you? I want to whisper to you. I want to call you by name. I want you to know that I'm near. I've been thinking about the breath of God, this section, that he is present. You can, I, I would say this, when, 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 you, when you're close and there's intimacy there, you can both feel and hear gentle breath and a whisper. You know what I'm saying? If you'll just be still, knowing that he's God because you've settled it, you're God confident, not self-confident. Your experience in his presence is enough and confirms it in your heart and mind because it's settled. You know who God is and you know who you are because of what he says and you're gonna move forward. He's God, God is on the throne. God is on the throne. He reigns forevermore. Elijah's life got out of control. He was running so fast, so hard that he wished for the very thing, again, that he was most afraid of. Listen to this, and this makes me smile again, too. Because he was walking along with his assistant, Elisha. Man, do a series on those two, and you'll be getting them mixed up all the time. But you remember what happened? Have you ever heard the story? Context, God sent a chariot of fire to take him up to heaven. Elijah never did experience physical death, and he spent all that time worrying about it. Have you thought about that? He never did. Oh, my. We could do a takeaway there. How many times have things we've worried about, because they've never even happened. But we've, been, we've used all this energy trying to worry, trying to play God, trying to control people and things, and everyone, give it up. God's in control. Wow. So true for us. I remember my brother-in-law who was a surgeon would say so many people come to him, they have done their personal diagnosis on Google or whatever, and, and you know, doctors start rolling their eyes when that happens. I've done some research, doctor. And he says so many times the thing that they fear, that they think they have, it most often never happens. He had percentages for it. And then, then maybe something happens, but it's not nearly as bad as you thought. It doesn't equal all the energy you put into it. And maybe things, the, the thing you fear does happen. But God is present, and he carries you through, and he whispers your name even in that dark place. Well, I need to wrap this up. Whatever the situation, are you doing okay? This isn't gloom and doom, this is good news today. 
Whatever the situation, God always comes through and he carries you through. He's your breath. He's your strength. He's your source. He's your life source. Why in the world would we run away from him? Why would we get distant? Oh, it's, it's just trite phrases. No, no, no. No, there's no storm that God won't bring you through. Man, I'm thinking of songs galore as I read these phrases. There's no obstacle that God can't help you overcome. There's no enemy that God can't defeat. There's no heartache that God can't heal. Will you let him? I didn't say there's no heartache that you can't heal. I said there's no heartache that God can't heal. What a difference. That's exactly why Paul and how penned these wonderful words when he was in prison, changed the soldiers, future unknown. He wrote, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, trust God with everything. And by the way, while you're doing it, just, just let your mouth be filled with the praises of Almighty God. My mom always said, that's how you gave Satan a black eye to begin to praise God in the middle of whatever circumstance it may be. Wow. Let me read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. That means right now. Present tense active. It doesn't need to be your favorite song. You don't have to feel it. You can want to praise God right now and you can do it. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I read it like this. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. I mean, you could read it. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's here. He's calling you by name. He's calling some of you to come to him because you've never said yes to Jesus. You have a grandpa or grandma that love God and you think you're gonna get in on their card. I'm telling you, you, you can't. You have to proclaim the name of Jesus yourself. You're overwhelmed by the things swirling around you. You're on the run, run, run. God says, be still and know that I am God. I'm calling you by name. I'm only whispering. That doesn't mean I'm far away. It means I'm close. Lean in and hear my heart. Feel my gentle breath. I'll say that quote again that I started with. God can do more with your surrender than you could ever do with your control. So give it up. Give it up. That's why some of us are wits in today because we're, we're running around like chickens with our head off. Have you ever chopped a chicken's head off and watched them flop? I mean, that's real. We used to do that when I was a kid. Kind of gross. I'm sure you'll Google it right now. You can't, you never could, so give it up. Let God do what God does. You do what you do, you trust him. You trust him. Well, I can never uh, duplicate this message a second time, I'm sure. But I'm gonna have us sing, come on out. But I, I, I just want you, when you just first heard a song, you don't get it, but, but I just wanna read some of these lyrics because it, this is about God confidence. Listen, this is what we're, we're gonna sing together. God is on the throne. He reigns forevermore. Just think about it. Why should I worry? Why should I fear? Why should I run? When Jesus is here, I'm safe in his arms, safe in his heart, and nothing can take me away from his love. Am I speaking the truth today? I love songs like this that proclaim the truth about God. 
I'll say it again. Why should I worry? Why should I fear? Why should I run when Jesus is here? I'm safe in his arms, safe in his heart, and nothing can take me away. God is on the throne. He reigns forevermore. Just think about it. Oh, I love this bridge. He's the king of power, king of kings. He's the Lord over everything. To him be the glory, the honor and praise forever and ever. Amen, always. And then it goes into the frame. Hallelujah, he reigns. Hallelujah, he saves, always. He's never gonna let me down. He reigns, he saves, always. He's never gonna let me down because God is on the throne. Could we say that together? God is on the throne. Are you receiving that? Would you join me in standing if you can, if we can? Father, thank you for your help today. I pray that as we sing this song that the lights will come on from the inside out and we'll sing, okay, I'm running. My life is out of control. I've isolated. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you connecting with you and your people. I'm not going to fear what man could do to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live with my gaze locked upon you today. And I'm going to anchor my life. I'm going to settle it. I'm going to be full of God confidence because I've been to the cross. And he says, I am a child of God. I pray for those that have never made that trip. It's not going to happen overnight. They're not gonna, we're not going to just wake up one morning and be followers of Jesus. It demands a decision, a choice. Yes, I come to you. I confess, repent, turn from my sin. I will follow you. And Lord, I give you my will. I surrender. I surrender. Palms up. Palms up. Because I need more of you. And for that to happen, you need more of me.